Talk Radio, and it's brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. As you know, Dr. Holm is our prairie doc, but he's unable to be with us today because he is in Florida giving a presentation. Breaks my heart. Poor guy, stuck in Florida. He might have had a delayed flight. You know, that'd be tough, wouldn't it? If Maybe he'll Florida? bring the weather back here with him. Oh, I wish he'd bring some of that Florida weather with him. But we're so happy to have Dr. Andrew Ellsworth with us. Dr. Ellsworth is a family practice physician with the Avera Medical Group Brookings, and he has worked with Dr. Holman, with the doctors in Brookings and the patients in Brookings for quite a few years now. It's good to have you here. Yeah, over seven years now. Seven years. That's great. And I've enjoyed getting to know your wife and seeing your, your daughter. It's just a cutie. Yes. <laughs> she really is. Yeah. So, a yeah, beautiful family. We're talking, uh, actually, tomorrow night, Dr. Holm will be back. We think his plane will be on time. And he'll be talking on South Dakota Public Television about rural health and hiring rural doctors in the USA. This has become a crisis across the country. And, Dr. Ellsworth, I know if you were at a meeting in Chicago, they would think you are a rural health physician because you're in South Dakota. Right. If you're living in South Dakota, people think, oh, you're in that big town of Brookings. You're not rural health. Right. But right. actually, you are rural health, aren't you? Yeah, I'd say so. I consider myself a, a, a quote-unquote small-town family doc. Obviously, yeah, Brookings is a little bigger than the average South Dakota town. But uh, when you look at the whole as a nation, we're, we're still rural. You're rural, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so it should be an interesting talk tomorrow night. I think Dr. Holm will enjoy visiting with both Dr. Bradley Kamstra, who is from Sioux Falls, and Christine Kanachi, who's uh, practicing in Howard, South Dakota. And you said Christina is originally from Brookings. Yeah, she's originally from Brookings. And uh, so she's involved in administration of of the the healthcare system there, Horizon Healthcare, that has uh, clinics uh, all over across uh, South Dakota in in especially rural areas. So she would know a lot about rural medicine. Well, if any of you are interested or have any questions about doctors practicing in rural areas, why don't you give us a call? We are going to take a break, and uh, we'd be glad to discuss that, and we will discuss that. But if you have other topics you might like us to discuss, any medical topics, we're here for you. So just give us a call at 692-1430, or if you're out of the area, 605-692-1430, and we'll be back right after these important words. Vaping is a term for using an electronic or e-cigarette. There have recently been illness and death associated with vaping that is currently under study by the Center for Disease Control. Patients in this CDC investigation of vaping-related illnesses have reported symptoms such as cough, shortness of breath or chest pain, nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea, fatigue, fever, or abdominal pain. Some patients have reported that their symptoms developed over a few days, while others have reported that their symptoms developed over several weeks. A lung infection does not appear to be causing the symptoms. Anyone who uses an e-cigarette or vaping product should not buy these products off the street and should not modify or add any substances to these products that are not intended by the manufacturer. See a healthcare provider right away if you have symptoms like those reported in this outbreak. Brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Hi, 
Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Joan Hogan here in the studio on this beautiful, sunny, snowy morning in November. We know November is here. It's here with a bang. We have Dr. Andrew Ellsworth with us, who is a family medicine physician with the Avera Medical Group Brookings. And if you weren't here at the outset of the program, Dr. Holm is giving a presentation in Florida, and we believe he'll be back today or tomorrow. We're not sure with this weather. Who knows? So, Dr. Ellsworth, at the outset of the program, we discussed what the TV program will be discussing tomorrow night, and we thought it was a good topic for us to talk about, and that's rural health physicians. There really is a problem, isn't there, in trying to get doctors to practice in rural areas? Yeah, you know, as the baby boomers are getting older, they're retiring, and a lot of them are our primary care doctors and family docs across the country. And uh, we haven't done a great job for the last couple decades in training rural general practice, you know, family medicine and internal medicine physicians. And part of that is because there's been so many specialties that have developed over the past 30 or 40 years. And I shouldn't say we haven't done a good job training. I should say we haven't done a good job getting medical students to go into those fields. Right. They're well trained, but then when they get to a point, they tend yeah. to move into specialties and so, they're not primary physicians. So, so after four years of college, right, or however long it takes you to get your <laughs> go to college. Six of the best years of your life, right. <laughs> uh, then, uh, then there's four years of medical school. Okay which we have a fine medical school in, in, in the state. Used to be a two-year program, and then years three and four, they had to go somewhere else. Which is why Dr. Holm is always talking about Grady Hospital in Atlanta. He exactly. went to Atlanta, right? So I think, I want to say it was even in the 80s. or It's that pretty they recent it that we went to four, four years. years. Um, and, then, uh, uh, and then, so after those four years of medical school, then you pick your, what your specialty is going to be. So I... I'm also a specialist. I specialized in family medicine because I wanted to uh, be able to take care of the whole person and the, and the whole family because I do feel that that gives me a better, well-rounded uh, perspective of what's going on and what would be uh, the, the best care for that person. Because um, you're dealing with them from birth to death. You've yeah. got every step in between, right? Yeah. So um, the, uh, the, the thing is, is that, you know, so if I choose to go into that, then, then I do a residency program. And so for family medicine, that's a three-year program after the four years of medical school. And uh, if I choose to do internal medicine, that's a three-year program. Beyond the primary no, 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 no. So that's either where or, everyone, either or, everyone, okay. you know, they, are you, are you going to specialize or just do family medicine? Well, just or, do is still three years. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yes. all for everyone. Everyone yeah. needs to do a residency program after medical school. Okay. So you choose what you're going to do. You know, I don't and think so a lot of people, people choose yeah. family medicine. Some people choose internal medicine. Some people choose surgery. Some people choose to be an OB-GYN and deliver babies. Some people choose to be a pediatrician and just, just see kids. You know, it, it, they're uh, all specialties. Yeah. They're all specialties. And I no. don't think the average person realizes that primary care is a three-year program specialty. Yeah. They just think, oh, you're finished, so you didn't go on to a specialty. That's wrong. So like 50 years ago, after you could just, out of medical school, not do a residency program and G be a GP. General practice. Yeah. Right. That's not an option anymore. No. 
So you have to have a specialty, and your specialty Correct. for you, you chose primary care because you wanted to see the whole patient yeah. from beginning yeah. young to old. And why do you think there's a smaller number of people choosing that option? Um, I'd say there's three. I mean, I'm sure there you could list tons of factors. Correct. But three big factors that come to mind are uh, one, well, it, d it depends where they want to live. You know, it's, I mean, if you're not from Kadoka, South Dakota, you probably aren't going to want to practice in Kadoka, South Dakota. So it, it all depends, you know, where you want to live, where okay. you want to be. That's an important part. Two, it depends where you train. So after medical school, now you go to residency. Well, the residency programs are more likely to be in, in big cities. So 60% of the time, you end up practicing where you go for residency because you meet someone there, you buy a house, you start a life. And you're not going to leave. And now you're not going to go back to Kadoka, South came Dakota. From. Right. You know, um, thankfully, we're pretty good about that, though. We do train uh, well in South Dakota with, with prepare as medical students. And thankfully, we have a good rate of them coming back. But it's just not true for everyone. Yeah. Um, three is, is uh, there's the financial factors. Um, we don't pay primary care as well as we pay, uh, in general, any, anything that does procedures. Which be types of surgery or even ear, nose, and throat would be procedures. Anything yeah. along that line, often that physician gets paid more. Yeah. Now, you know, like if I do some little skin procedure uh, that'll i'll often get paid more for that than spending an hour really thinking about a complicated patient and what we should do or holding them hand and talking them through heart failure or, it's just or so diabetes wrong, but or that's the whatever reality of it right? yeah even yeah. though those are the conversations that are most important and have the biggest impact and all you do is do a little thing on somebody's face and you get paid a lot more than you did right. for that patient that you Thus, really dermatology took becomes more competitive to go into or whatever other specialty if it if it pays more okay. sometimes but i would think most people going into medicine really aren't going in for the money so that's kind of a third factor except once you've been in school for uh seven and four years and another three years i mean you're, you've you're, got you've really you've got been in school forever two hundred thousand dollars in debt yeah you so need then to be money able to try to pay in. that off yeah so you're in t i would think most people that start out Wanting to be a doctor, have all, uh, many altruistic reasons for, for wanting to be a doctor. And they continue with that, but sometimes they'll go to a specialty simply because they have incurred sometimes, so much debt. Yeah. Now, or, and, and, you know, usually it's, it's it, thankfully in rotations in medical school, you get to experience these different specialties and you find what you like. There's some people like me that and find, boy, I like that and that and that. You know, and so I don't want to give that up and I don't want to give that up. And and, and that's the other part of it is I, I, I love variety and I love variety is the spice of life. And, and there is a lot of burnout in primary care. And burnout is is that where you're just t sick and tired of doing the same thing or or, you know, and, and there's a lot of reasons why there's burnout in medicine in general, just because we're on the computer more and we're spending more time. Uh, with paperwork and with the computer rather than with the patients, unfortunately, because of all the requirements from the government and everything else. So Insurance companies paperwork. and dealing with prior authorizations and to get things approved for our patients because we know it's best for them and they deserve it and they've paid for it, but the insurance company won't get it to them unless I fill out this 
five-page document. It's it's just crazy. It really yeah. is that it's gone to that, but it has gone to that, and we could talk about. Yeah, I don't uh, want to medical. We don't want to get into that, but <laughs> but that's one of the reasons for burnout. You know, Dr. Holm wrote a uh, a perspective on um, on this, and it was in the newspaper this week in the Brookings Register. And there were many things he said about primary care and the importance of it. But what I found was really interesting that he said. In uh, July of 2019, a survey was done of family physicians practicing, and they found that the burnout in rural areas is 25% less than burnout across the country, which is really a fascinating study. Yeah, the, it looks like the, those practicing in large areas had a burnout rate of about 51%, and those in rural areas about 25%. And I believe it, because it just if you're doing the same thing every day, I don't care what job you're in, it's going to get old after a while, right? Uh, whereas when you have that nice variety of, of things you're doing, I think that stimulates you more, and you can be more engaged sometimes, and uh, you might enjoy enjoy it more. But I'm wondering, e- even trying to encourage doctors to go into rural areas, if you're living in a city, doing primary care, the burnout is higher mm-hmm. than if you're living in a rural Brookings, Kadoka, whatever it is, yeah. the burnout is less. And do yeah. you think it's just the the, uh, the stress of traffic or whatever happens in a big city. You know, I get a lot of enjoyment in helping to take care of, of some friends and neighbors. And, you know, you know, yeah, sometimes going to the grocery store. You run into them. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, and sometimes that's inconvenient, and uh, but sometimes it's really nice, too. You and know? that probably and so, doesn't happen in a big city. Your patients you're not going to see every day. But right. for you, yeah. you You know, do. just taking care of, you know, patients feel more like a number and the doctors feel more like a a number so there you you need to give talks to med schools to let them know <laughs> this is why you belong in a rural area well if you yeah. folks have any comments we are going to take our next break we hope you're enjoying this discussion and practicing medicine in rural areas kids are back to school and the spread of germs are in full swing Parents, please teach your child to wash their hands often and use hand sanitizer when they can't get to the sink. Show them how to cough into their sleeve. If your child has a fever, keep them home from school, offer fluids, and encourage rest. You can reach your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Joan Hogan here. I'm having an interesting, for me, I hope it is for all of you listening, an interesting discussion with Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, who's a family practice physician in the Brookings area. Uh, we're talking about rural medicine and practicing medicine in rural areas. If you missed the beginning of the program, Dr. Holm is giving a talk out of state, and that's why he's not here. But we think he'll be back today, depending upon the snow. Who knows what will happen? Yeah. So we've, we've been talking about the need and why we should have doctors practicing in rural areas, and there is a real need there. What do you think is being done to address this need? Are med schools, the government, is anyone doing anything about it? Yeah, the, uh, the, there's a lot of things from a lot of angles trying to work on it, and sometimes that's successful and sometimes not. Um, there's a National Rural Health Service uh, loan repayment program, whereas if you are in a plan to practice in a in a rural health sh- shortage area physician shortage area then you can get extra money from the federal government to help 
pay off your loans. Oh, that's a real advantage. Out of medical school. And especially if you're from a smaller area, you'd love to practice there, but you have yep. this huge debt. That's one way that's to address one way, it. One the federal government will help you to stay in that small, or move back mm -hmm. to your small town and practice medicine. Yeah. Now, Brookings is, doesn't qualify for that. Because there is no short, there are no short, there is no shortage of medicine. Yeah, a combination of not enough of a shortage and population okay. high enough. But for smaller towns, yep, yep. you keep mentioning Kadoka. My husband would love you mentioning yeah. Kadoka. <laughs> he swore about 20 years ago, he did some research on Kadoka, and he said, we're moving there. I said, oh, honey, have a good time. I hope your next wife loves Kadoka. Yep. It was no interest to me. It's a lovely town. I don't want to knock anyone about Kadoka, but he loves talking about Kadoka. Now he that, likes the town. Now, that's from the federal government. Okay. Sometimes various states have programs to help recruit rural practicing physicians. Okay. And uh, counties and hospitals and clinics, cities team up and come up with uh, help to loan repayment options and, and help to recruit rural physicians as well. Which so some are more creative and better at doing it than others. So that's, that's answering some of the financial burden. Yep. What else do you think draws them in? Are there other programs or other ideas? The residency programs, uh, some of them are starting to make more rural residency programs. And so I did my residency to training in family medicine over in Boise, Idaho, uh, because I wanted, didn't want to go in as, as big of a city, and I want to get trained to do everything I can do. So I can do colonoscopies and EGDs and vasectomies and skin procedures. I had a plastic surgeon on my, uh, on my faculty to help train me to do skin things. I, I had a, uh, um, all different specialists, all, all different, right. spe and, 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 and just, you know, and, and I did rural, uh, rotations where I was out in rural Idaho to help train me. Oh, that's interesting. And so, but but there was also res rural programs where they were just with us in Boise the, for the first year, or and Sioux Falls does this too, the Sioux Falls program. So, so they're in Sioux Falls for one year, and then they go to Pier. That's a new program, just last few, just started last year. Our med school. Our residency program. Okay. Done with medical school. Now you're now in residency. Now you're in residency for They go to Sioux Falls care. for a year, and then they go to Pier to finish out their residency program. Well, once once you've been living in Pier for a couple of years, you're more likely to move to Mulbridge or Chamberlain. That's so. Or yeah, I definitely. had no idea they had it's done been, that. They've it's been they've been extremely plus. successful uh, program. Yeah, and the the only problem is the funding. So, how do you get that funded? Thankfully, our state has stepped up to help make that happen. The federal government had put a freeze on a lot of this type of funding, and so it was historically only funding training in big cities well so we need to try to change the funding formula to allow for more rural residency programs so that we can train rural physicians well let's push our government yeah we're, <laughs> we're working at our american academy of family physicians which i'm very active in right uh we're, we've been working on it it's just hard to do and you you do have uh people in your practice which is family medicine in big cities too. It's not just rural, but the problem yeah. is we need to expand their coverage into rural across areas. The, across the board, we need right. to expand Absolutely. the Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's important. You know, once you get someone who's moved to Kadoka or Mulbridge, <laughs> all right, when they've moved there, they're practicing medicine, what do you think keeps them in a rural area? 
you know, hard to say. Yeah, you know, if they liked it, if the people are, if they feel a part of the community, if they've settled down and started a family, they're definitely more likely to stay. You know, some situations, they, some of these communities, unfortunately, have a new doctor every two years, oh. and you really feel for them. Um, part of that is because they're using these programs, and then they're they're done, and they move on. They have no connection to the area. Sometimes they stick, but sometimes they don't. Some some areas see more foreign medical grads there as part of a program, too. So if I was a doctor in another country, I might have to come practice in a rural area to be able to stay in the U.S. and then do my training again and then go into whatever else I wanted to go into. So for a couple of years, you're willing to live rural if you're a foreign doctor, but quite often once they finish that, then they move on to a bigger city. Yeah. Or, you know, kind of makes or, sense. And doing another residency program or whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So trying to keep people, they just yeah. really have to find a way to be happy. So it to helps home fill there. those gaps some, yeah. but unfortunately, then every it's not a permanent two gap. or three years, it's that's not good a new doctor, too. Yeah. But at least they're there for a while. Well, that's good. Yeah. Very good. Well, yeah. interesting discussion on rural medicine in South Dakota and across the country. We hope you've enjoyed this, and we're going to continue, but we'll take a break now. If you have any questions, give us a call at 692-1430. We'll be back right after this. Car safety is very important. The Avera Medical Group Brookings reminds you to buckle your children in the middle of the back seat when possible because it's the safest spot in the vehicle. Remember that airbags can kill young children riding in the front seat. Never place a rear-facing car seat in the front where there is an airbag. Remember to buckle your children in car seats, booster seats, or seat belts with every trip, no matter how short. And set a good example and help protect anyone in the car by always using your seatbelt. Hi, Joan Hogan here. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Dr. Andrew Ellsworth and I have been discussing medicine in rural areas, how to get doctors to practice in med medical areas, in areas that are not uh, really being supported by doctors, and to get them there and to get them to stay. But sometimes people say, well, we can just increase our nurse practitioner or PA programs, and they can cover it. Do you think that's true? You know, it, it certainly can help to a certain degree. Um, it's, they're an important part of the team now because we're, you know, we don't have enough doctors, period, to help see everyone and take care of everyone. And there's some wonderful nurse practitioners and PAs out there. Uh, and, and obviously they get better with experience just like anyone else can get better with experience. Certainly. But um, they don't get the level of training that MD and DOs get from medical school and residency programs. So whereas before I came to Brookings, I had had four years of medical school and three years of residency and 10 to 15,000 hours of patient Practice. care hours, um, and which helps me see a wide variety and help to deal with a wide variety of things. Um, a lot of times, unfortunately, some of these nurse practitioner programs, some of them are online only, and some of them only have a few hundred to a thousand hours of training, 1,000 compared to 10,000 to 15,000. So, in, and that can vary by program. I mean, uh, you Correct. know, and there's some great programs, but there's also some not great programs. And so, and their level of training can really vary sometimes too. 
And, you know, obviously you can have doctors. Some of them are good at what they do and some aren't so great. And you can have nurse practitioners. Some of them are great right. at what they do and some aren't so great. I mean, this is across the board anywhere. But as a whole, they, they don't have as much training, so they're not going to be as comfortable doing things. So if you don't have as much training, are you going to be comfortable going out to a rural area and taking care of everything that comes in the door? Well, you haven't seen half those things. So the idea that we, when, when our state legislature said, well, we can solve this with allowing nurse practitioners to practice independently and, and don't need to work with a doctor, okay, but who, who are they going to turn to when they have a question and need help because they haven't had the training to deal with everything? And I can't claim that I can deal with everything myself after seven years of training and seven years of practice. But yet you're more qualified to do so than someone trained simply as a nurse practitioner or a PA. Right. right. And it's some people are not aware that nurse practitioners and PAs cannot operate independently. They have to operate with a doctor overseeing them. Is that, that correct? That How was exactly the case until work? a year or two ago when the state legislature said, now nurse practitioners can practice independently. Well, they did pass that. Yep. Not a good idea. Okay. <laughs> That's yep. my yep. thought. Yep. So, I, I mean, and because and it's been uh, sweeping across the country. It and, has. You know, every nurse practitioner I talked to here didn't think that was a great idea. They enjoy the collaborative relationship with the physicians because okay. we're a team. But uh, the national organizations came in to try to push this. Push it. So they pushed it. They passed it in South Dakota. So you could be a nurse practitioner practicing in a town for 100 miles around, you're the only one. How can you hopefully, practice alone? Hopefully you have someone that you can talk to and turn to uh, for help. And that would be true of a doctor practicing yes. alone somewhere too. Right. And I do know that both Avera and uh, Sanford are trying to reach out with um, electronic. What's happening yeah, so with that? So, so there, that's great. Thank you. The, the, you know, we, we're, we're getting better at, that's another solution for the rural, is, is these uh, tele, telemedicine. Right. Where, you know, if you're covering an ER somewhere and you don't know how to deal with something, you push a button and you could get an ER physician in Sioux Falls to help you with that patient. With, with using a tele, you know, on a TV screen. So telemedicine, it, you're actually seeing the patient, even though you're in Sioux Falls, there's a screen on that patient. You're, as the practitioner, you're saying, this is what I'm dealing with. How would you, how can you help me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As, and that is in effect now. They're and doing Avera that has now. a huge system of this uh, nationwide. So, so in, for ICU care, critical care too. So if someone's really critically ill, they don't need to get airlifted to Sioux Falls, they can stay where they're at, they can stay in Brookings, they can stay in, in uh, Pier, and, uh, and they can have help from an intensivist, someone who, who has more experience taking care of someone on a ventilator, you know, with bre- uh, on a breathing machine, and they can help them through that, you know, because it's dangerous to transport in them for several hours anyway in, in that Correct. shape. they're better off staying where they are. Um, and so the, the, the Vera, the, the EICU, um, in, in e-care options are, are actually used by healthcare systems across the country and using doctors that are centered and stationed in Sioux Falls. And some of them aren't even taking care of any patients in person. They're just taking care of patients across the country. 
That's fascinating. Yeah. I don't think it's a medicine I'd want to go into. Yeah. <laughs> you, I know you'd rather see your patient, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 But it's wonderful yeah. that some physicians are willing to do that because it really is enhancing the needs that are there. And why is this important that we have primary care doctors? Why is that important? Because you have lower cost, higher quality, better outcomes, and, and more trust. Why is that? Because when you have that relationship, they're more your patients are more likely to trust you and follow through on your recommendations and you can when you have that relationship you can form a plan together that works that I'm not just telling you what you need to do or I'm not just throwing a pill at you I know where you live I know your family I know what's probably going to work and we're going to talk about this and find find a solution that's that's going to work um, and so meanwhile I I you might come in saying I need to have this MRI well that costs a lot of money and I might be able to talk you through why you don't need an MRI because we know each other and we trust each other. Right, and that trust can't just be one overnight. You have to have a doctor you've worked with for, for a while. They've, they've done studies that if, if doctors just do whatever the patient wants, outcomes are worse and patients die more because they're getting more tests and they're having more procedures and they're having more um, I images and, and more cost and it just... It just spirals, Yeah. right? Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. Thanks so much, Dr. Ellsworth. We hope you've enjoyed this Prairie Doc radio program. As always, you can hear more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org, where you also may learn about the exciting activities of the Healing Words Foundation. Thanks to all of you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. I'll close with Dr. Holm's weekly reminder, stay healthy out there, people.